This is the Doctor, President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jelly, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castabras. Hey Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 99. 99 with a flick. <laughs> Hope you guys have had a cracking week. That you've managed to do something Doctor Who related in your lives. And again, once again, thank you for joining us. We're nearly at 100. Yes. Episode 99, one away. Will episode 100 be the last ever episode? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go out on 100 and, and that's it. Yeah, don't say that. <laughs> of course not, of course. 101. That's that's it. And then we'll go out. And then we'll go yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> we jest, of course. In all seriousness. Hope you guys have a good week. We've got some cool news. Um, can I have you? We've really struggled to um, sort of peruse the landscape of Doctor Who news this week. It's been mm. quite light, but we've got a couple of interesting little bits. And then we're going to crack on with our review of Blink. Mm. Don't turn away. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Don't blink. <laughs> I like that, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. How have you been, buddy? What have you been up to? Anything? Yes, I've been good. Yeah, not too bad. Um, I've watched our review episode. Blink, obviously. Of course. Um, and I'm really glad I gave that another watch, actually. I'll come on to why in the review, but... Um, it's one of those episodes I thought I knew, and uh, I definitely gained more from giving it a watch. So, yeah, looking forward to chatting through that with you later. Bizarrely, I've already started watching our review episode for next week as okay. well, so yep. I managed to cram in quite a bit of Who TV this week. Uh, the reason for that will become clear when we announce at the end what episode we're doing. And um, and uh, apart from that, what else have I been doing? Um well, I'm very excited about some news that got announced for London Film and Comic Con. Very, very excited. Uh-huh. Yes. Paul McGann has just been added to the list. Uh, what are we, two weeks away from it? Yep. And he suddenly got added, um, and they're going to be having the rep- well, a replica of the uh, Eighth Doctor's console that you can have a picture of McGann at. And I'll tell you what, uh, Gary, it's for me, it's like Christmas has come early because I couldn't have asked for anything better. It's... A, I would have wanted to get a, a proper picture with McGann for forever because I've got a really good picture with him where I met him on the street and it was really nice. It's a great picture. But yeah, and I'll be able to get my regen box signed, regeneration set. But to get a picture with him on the console is just, I'm just absolutely buzzing. So um, so when I got that news, I was just, I literally couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this is exactly what I wanted to happen. And uh, I can't believe it. So I really, really can't look, can't wait for London Film Comic Con. I was excited before, but... But now I'm literally, like, hyped. <laughs> I can completely concur. It is like Christmas has come early. It's just brilliant. We've been yeah. talking about McGann, haven't we, for so long about um, he hasn't really got out to many UK conventions. in. Mm. It's quite a while now. It's been a couple of years since yeah, he's done the circuit, hasn't he? Yeah. And uh, it'll be good because the last time that I saw him was uh, at the Milton Keynes uh, Collector Mania run by the same people. Same, actually, yeah. And it was just that random thing where um, he was, I can't remember exactly what it is now, I think he was 
walking past and I was doing something on my phone and the missus was like, isn't that the eighth doctor? <laughs> I just looked up quickly now, turned around, it is, you know, sort of, oh, wow. Oh, huge fan. So I didn't really have time to, um, you know, get a picture or uh, anything signed. So this will be the perfect, because I'm not sure when he's going to be back after this, because it's been, mm. you know, a long time. This might be his only one for another few years. So um, it's awesome. And the, the photo shoot as well with the Eighth Doctor, oh, it's such a good console as well. It's awesome. I know, it's a beautiful console, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you going to go, because there's quite a few different photo shoots, isn't there? There's McGann and the console, there's McGann and Sylvester in the console. There's They've even put like Bonnie and Connie and uh, Colin, sorry, and uh, Sylvester with the console. And you're sort of thinking, yeah, I don't know, quite not too bold about that because they weren't in it. But I think a picture with McGann and Sylvester at the console would be amazing. I think that I, that's the one to get. It has to reckon? be, doesn't it? Sylv and McGann. Because there is something cool about them. Um, uh, just McGann with the with the console having the photo there, but mm. having Silv in there. Well, when are you going to be in a room with the console and Silv and McGann together? I mean, is that going to happen again? I mean, I know it's, yeah, yeah. they've had it in the past, but it's a long time ago. So it's, it's precisely the point. Done. Yeah, exactly yeah. the point. I mean, there's probably a high chance that it will be McGann and the console at some point over the next, you know, God knows how many years. Mm. That's quite a high probability. But like you say. McGann and Sylv with you know with that console it's that's quite a low probability isn't it After, I think so you know so there's got to be that one for me yeah I, th- I think in the same I'm just like I want all of them actually I'm just like <laughs> yeah just too much choice but I'm I'm just so excited about it and for some bizarre reason I mean I, I met Paul at the Collectomania in Milton Keynes way back when I mean that must be god that is some years ago now so it's probably the same when you were at bizarrely and um <laughs> And I, I don't know why, but I got him to sign a, a with nail and eye picture. So I haven't got a Doctor Who picture signed by him. And it's something that's all always bugged me. Because um, the thing is, with nail and eye is one of my favourite films. So that's why I got the picture. Um, but I've always regretted not getting a Doctor Who thing signed by him. So I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting getting that done this time. And a photo. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's just going to be amazing. I just can't wait. It's going to be a good, a good one, I feel, this one. Because... Mm. Um, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to have a get a photo of Colin as well. Oh, so I, I thought you got one with Colin. Yeah, but I don't want it to feel left out. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. I imagine that a lot of Who fans are going to gravitate towards McGann because of the console and the photo mm. shoot and so on. So, um, And also, if you look down the costs of uh, uh, the, the price to get an autograph or a photo, Colin, you know, he's the lowest on the pile. Yeah. So I don't want him to feel left out and... You know, him sitting there thinking, "Oh, this is brilliant." You know, those two are off making <laughs> the money, getting all the photos. You know, so we've got to throw a bit of money towards Colin. I did notice Sylvester's more money. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, I think yeah. Colin. I think Colin's fifteen quid. I think Sylvester's 20. 20, 20 or twenty-five. I think. I yeah, can't remember now. It's a bit more. It's because he's been in the Hobbit, isn't it? That's it. It's that bloody got that extra fiver on there. Yeah. What was it? Radagast the Brown from the Hobbit. I think that was his name. Yeah, but that sort of propelled his sort of his his status a little bit. That's it. But yeah, it's going to be a, a good one. I think there's loads of. I think it's going to be a busy one as well, though, because there's so many people there, and they yeah. really need to get a bigger venue. I mean, I know it's um, I know it's difficult because I think one of the other conventions, I think it's the MCM Expo, I think they've got the rights to the Excel Center, which would be perfect. So they're stuck in like the Olympia too, or the Olympia, is it or? Yeah, one I always get mixed one up. One of those, those smaller yeah. ones, and it gets really 
especially when they've got big stars now and they sell them out, it gets really hot and cramped. And mm. yeah, so really hoping they can find another larger venue somewhere in London. I don't know where they would go, but um, the XL would be good actually. It'd be perfect. Yeah, but I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere that the MCM Expo guys have got the rights to hold like a, a comic convention exclusively at the XL. So oh, I see. I think that's the case anyway. Is that where you're going to your Star Wars this yes. weekend? Is that XL? That's at the XL, yeah. Oh, right. Excellent. So that's, um, oh, can't wait for that. Can't I was going to say, yeah, you're a big, well, we're both big Star Wars fans, aren't we? But yeah, yeah, that's going to be amazing. Are you, who's actually going to be there? Who are you going to meet? Is well, Mark Hamill's about £2,000, isn't he, if yeah. you want to meet him? <laughs> that is unbelievable. Mark yeah, Hamill's. How much is he's like 150 or something? 145 quid mm. for, a, for a photo with Mark Hamill. So I won't be doing that. No. Um, to be honest with you, I'm more in, just looking forward to um, uh, like going around and seeing all the smaller panels. Yeah, so there's a couple of artists. Um, I don't want to go. It's not Star Wars, you know. But there's a couple of artists about Star Wars that I've spoken to over the years, and I've got some of their work. So I want to get some of those signed and just mingling and having a look around, really. But um, yeah, the the London Film and Comic Con. It's going to be. I think it's going to be a similar vibe because they've got so many good big franchises there like people from big movies and big mm. you know tv shows i think it's going to be a similar vibe where you know lots of um lots of people you know trying you to were get saying, you were saying before we kicked off as well you've got to be careful not to take in a blaster you're not allowed blasters you're not oh, allowed yeah. yes lightsaber no you are allowed a lightsaber aren't you but it must have a, a battery or something there's all these weird well not weird but there's a lot of safety constrictions with with that one you were telling me weren't you yes and i'm wondering if they're going to imply any of these rules at conventions you know elsewhere maybe at the london film and comic-con one but yeah at celebration this weekend you're not allowed there's like certain cosplay weapons you're not allowed to take with you and lightsabers have to be inspected and stuff and it's all it's all very um it's very it brings me you know it does it is quite a shame you know the world we live in today that these things have to be done because i remember you probably remember yourself if you go back maybe five or six years at some older conventions like collectomania and stuff like that mm. there were people selling ninja stars samurai swords you know all sorts there and there's like kids like 15 16 who have bought like five huge full-size replica samurai swords just walking around the convention hall yeah you know you you just can't do that these days i mean i'm you know it's a bit of a shame where we live i'm not saying you know that i want to go out and buy a ninja sword but you know when you've got a little kid who's going to a convention as a cosplaying as a as a character from their favorite film whatever and they can't take a you know even if it's a plastic replica of a weapon or something that's that sucks quite a lot that is, I mean, that is the world we live in. It's a, it's a shame, isn't it? It just gets worse and worse, actually. I mean, there'll probably come a time when we'll we'll have our solid screwdrivers confiscated. <laughs> you know, can you imagine, like, everyone handing in different ver- variations of the Sonic as they go into the XL? Come on, let's have it. Yeah, well, let's have that confession. Oh, that's not going in. Well, I was just about to say, I mean, you know, thank God that the doctor's weapon of choice is a Sonic device because you can't really do much damage with a replica Sonic device. But... Like you say, you know, the world's getting crazier. So that could happen at one point. You know, hand over your Sonics. Come on. Yeah, I can see it happening. That's the problem. Uh, joking aside, I can actually see it happening. But yeah. it would be a sad day, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would be a sad day. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, in, we're kind of in convention mode, aren't we, at the moment? We're looking forward to it because you, um, so. you went to a Phantom event uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I did. Yeah, which, which was really good. Which was yeah. great. We've got London Film and Comic Con coming up. Um, there's another Phantom event shortly after that. 
in oh, yeah end of august uh the end of august and there's another one as well there's a one that i saw i think it was by 10th planet free entry uh tom baker's there oh the barking over in barking yeah yeah so that might be a good one that's uh, yeah that's quite not bad for you to get to is it that one that's quite close well not close to you but it's uh, it's, all right. it's a normal hop yeah. on the train a couple of tubes it's not too too out of it yeah yeah so it's convent it's all go <laughs> green light conventions well, it is. It is. It's so exciting. Which is good. Yeah. So have you been up to much else this week? Have you managed to get any who at home? Who at home? Who at home? <laughs> um, yeah, well, obviously, as, you know, watching the review episode. And I have a, I've got a funny feeling that, again, y- y- your thoughts and my thoughts are going to, we're going to have a bit of a snap situation going on there because um, I, too, when I rewatched our, uh, our review episode, uh, Blink, I thought that I remembered so much from that episode and, you know, thought I knew it very well. But when mm. I watched it, I was like, whoa. <laughs> you know, there, was mm. lot, there was quite a few things in there. I was like, I do not remember this at all. In fact, I even forgot completely about a certain character in the episode, which is bizarre. Um, but yeah, so I went on a bit of a tenant role after that as well. So I carried on, watched Utopia after that. Oh, Utopia. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sound of Drums. And then last of the Time Lord. So I had a bit of a, you know, a series three sort of binge after that. Yeah. Um, which is pretty good. Um, we've also had some messages from our competition winners recently. Bob Clark over in the US. Uh, he received his book from our giveaway, Wallowing in Our Own Welsh Merts. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is a cool book. So he got that. He's very happy. And George Garrity got his target book, Genesis of the Daleks. So some happy listeners. Yeah, and, I, and and thanks guys for sending in pictures and 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 uh, tweets and stuff and letting us know that you've got them because it's yeah it's always nice to know that it's been safely received because obviously like they get sent out and you know we just assume that they arrive safely so yeah it's great to see that you've got them yeah, yeah. good time hope you enjoy them yeah, yeah good stuff not much else buddy no nope. not much else at all not much else going on I haven't seen any filming pics have we we got like after that little burst of them all outside that building running and hugging each other and all that and Matt Lucas on set we haven't seen much else this week have we I was thinking we might have seen some more but nothing yeah, been a bit dry the landscape They're obviously but... inside aren't they uh, corridors yeah corridors yeah <laughs> plenty of um corridors that we've seen for the past five years just redecorated and redone and that's it repainted which is no bad thing if it's done right yeah, I don't want to see that TARDIS corridor again, though, because <laughs> they, they've redressed that one enough. And I don't want to see Trap Street again, either. Okay, um, yep. Somebody yep. pointed out that popped up in, you know, Russell T. Davis did a Midsummer Night's Dream over mm-hmm. a couple of months back. Yep. Apparently it popped up in that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone told me, and I was like, oh, I think it did, actually, yeah. No, so, yeah, we, they're getting the most out of that Trap Street set, that's for sure. You've got to be financially smart when you're running a TV production. It's not cheap. Yeah. So I hear. Mind you, the amount that we spend on merch, hmm. we should be able to build a couple of new corridors. Yeah, you'd have thought series. so, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 Mm. Anyways, shall we land this puppy? Let's do, do some it. News? First up, we have a um, a crew. I was going to say crew member. He's not really a 
doesn't really sound right. His his title seems more important than that. Uh, we have um, a, an announcement for Series 11. Uh, so as well as uh, the Chibbers coming on as um, the overseer of everything, uh, Matt Strivens. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. Is it Matt Strivens or Matt Strevens? Um, would have gone Strevens. with Strevens. Oh, going Strevens, I would have said. Strevens. Yeah. Because it wouldn't have two E's, would it? Strevens. <laughs> Matt Slavines. Yeah. Right. So anyway, Matt Strevens has been confirmed as the executive producer for Series 11, mm. uh, which is the, the, the new kickoff point for new Doctor Who. After the Moth has been kicked out the door. That's it. With his box, with all the stuff <laughs> off his desk. Um, so which is good news because if you look um, at some of the things that he's done over the years um, he's not one of the uh, I wouldn't say that he's one of like a, a standout uh, producer that you would associate with a, a very high profile show like Who but he has done some cool little things over the years um, going back to uh, things like, well, he has done something with Who in the past. We'll get to that. Um, mm. But he has done things like Misfits, um, uh, Silk, which is cool drama. And then he's done like the usual stuff that people at the BBC sort of cut their teeth on, which is things like EastEnders, The Bill. And I think he's done something on Casualties. You know, those sorts of things. Yeah. Like the, you know, run-of-the-mill soapy drama stuff. Um, but he was the executive producer on An Adventure in Space and Time. No, which was fantastic, wasn't it? Which was one of the best things to come out of the whole 50th anniversary. It was, yeah. Period. It was absolutely so, brilliant, yeah. Yes, and the other good thing as well is that he is a lifelong Doctor Who fan. Oh, is he? All oh, right, okay, I didn't realise that. Which always helps. I think he said that he grew up, his earliest memories of Who was the Tom Baker era, and he says that his Doctor is actually Peter Davison. He says he loves Peter Davison's Doctor so much. Oh, right. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I said, that's, I've got a little bit more excited about the news now because, yeah, when this <laughs> when this broke yesterday, um, the first thing I missed, did was misread it. I thought it said Matt Smith because I just skimmed through. The, <laughs> I was like, Matt Smith? What? Executive producer? Then I realised it was someone I'd never heard of. Matt Stevens? Are we Strevens? Are we saying to Matt Strevens? Strevens, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw he'd worked on the bill and I was like, oh, my God, this is awful. But then I carried on reading and uh, as soon as I saw Adventure in Space and Time, I was like, oh, that's better. That's more like it. So, like it. yeah, this yeah. is quite good, actually. This is quite promising, actually. Um, Misfits, I've never really watched, but I think it was quite a slick, well-received uh, programme, wasn't it? It so, was, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's quite quite promising news, I think. Yes. Yeah. So, Matt Strevens. Strevens, yes. Welcome aboard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking of Matt Smith, there is a, in other news, there is a rumour been flying around thanks to the brilliant I say the brilliant <laughs> maybe I'm, I say brilliant I probably mean something else uh, the mirror basically have <laughs> broken a news story which um, reading between the lines Gary I don't know about you I think is is nonsense but basically they've cobbled together a load of quotes <laughs> and um, and they are reporting that Matt Smith could be returning as the doctor and I, the way the article goes is that when Peter Capaldi leaves, um, and they're saying at the end of Series 10, uh, that Matt, he could re-re-regenerate into Matt Smith's <laughs> which um, to, I just cannot see happening in a million years. I don't know about you. I just cannot see that happening. Um, the only things that do support this is that, A, Matt seems terribly keen 
to come back as the doctor. Um, he's, he said a couple of times, you know, you know, I'd love to come back and I'd, you know, when are they going to ask me sort of thing, but that could be Matt just being polite. Um, the other thing is if there was any truth at all to this rumor, I would imagine it would more be that Matt's going to pop up in Moffat's last series as like a little cameo. Cause you know, the moth, I can just imagine the moth can't resist getting him back in for his, you know, send off series. If you see what I mean, even if it's just a little cameo, uh, I can just see him doing that a bit like he did in deep breath where he got Matt on the phone at oh, the end. Yeah. You know, I can just imagine him doing that. So, but I cannot see Peter Capaldi re re regenerating back into Matt Smith's doctor. Can you? Um, of course not. No, no. <laughs> you worried for a minute there. No. Uh, so uh, long time listeners, you will know that we don't really, we don't go in for rumours and, and all that tosh. <laughs> but the reason why I think we want to speak about this one is because it's so ludicrous. <laughs> and it so been put out there a lot, hasn't it? Yeah. And it's so funny. I mean, there's absolutely no way that, well, there's, there's two things, you know, that are, that are very questionable in this rumour. The first one is that everybody is assuming that Capaldi's off after yeah. the after next year at the end of next year at series ten. Now that might be the case, you know that could very well be the plan where, um, just like a lot of the other actors, you know that have played the Doctor, they are very much Doctor Who fans. They love it. You know, it's probably one of their dream roles. You know, dream job if you're a lifelong Who fan. And he probably doesn't want to feel like that pressure that he has to go and all that stuff. But, you know, that's, that's the first thing. He, every, everyone, you know, a lot of people are saying that he's off at the end of Series 10. And like I said, that might very well be the case, but that's not confirmed yet. Mm. He might be like, no, sodger. I'm, you know, I'm sticking around. I want to do another one. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that there's no way that if he was to go and we get a new Doctor, that they would just bring back a previous incarnation to play the Doctor again. It would have to be a seriously weird and completely like bonkers out there storyline mm. to warrant having, you know, as someone who's already played the Doctor come back, especially as a regeneration as well. Be, you know, that would just be completely... No. Well, also, it, it wouldn't bring any... It wouldn't bring the excitement either because it would be almost for like a step back, wouldn't it? Because, I mean, I absolutely love Matt's Doctor. Um, didn't like all of his stories, but I loved him as the Doctor. And um, if he was to sort of return, <laughs> you know, it would. It's not, it's not as exciting. Like, I think when they do announce a new Doctor, whenever that time comes, that does automatically bring in a bit of a, a buzz and, and no doubt, people yeah. tune in that perhaps wouldn't because they want to see what this new doctor's like, you know, so it brings with it a f new viewers and a freshness to the show. So mm -hmm. I doubt they would cast somebody that's already been the doctor because people would just be like, Oh, he's back, you know, yeah, not interested seeing him before. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you, mm. I just, I couldn't see it happening from any point of view, really. Yeah. It's a real strange one. And they've used, you know, some very loosely, they've loosely used quotes from, Matt Smith and, and the moth from quite a while ago. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of cobbled together, you know, the, um, uh, an article to give it some, some justification. But I would say that, yes, it's entirely possible and quite probable that Matt Smith will show his face in some way for the moth's final few episodes or the final one, whatever, because, you know, it's, becoming quite a thing to do that with Russell T Davis bringing everyone back 
you know, even if they had like tiny little cameos for the doctor to go and say, you know, so that's kind of the thing. But for him to come back as the doctor, I think is hugely out there as a, a real outside. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put any money on it, put it that way. No. Do you know what I think's happened? I think very much like me and you, they've, the, the Mirror have been trying to cobble together a bit of news, <laughs> Doctor Who news. And a bit <laughs> like me and you, when we do before the podcast, well, oh, there's not much out there. What can we do? What can we get? What can we, what can we use? And I think they've, they've cobbled this together just to try and put some Doctor Who news out there because they probably haven't got anything else. But I am wondering if, um, do you think the Moth will be able to resist bringing back River? before he goes I, is, I mean River's story is so overdone but will he be able to get through his last series without without bringing her back even if it's for a little cameo I want to say yes he can you but, know he but, can't but there's a small part of me that thinks he just can't let things <laughs> go sometimes let it go um, yeah. uh, you know we're probably going to see Clara as well let's be honest I bet we are I you know? bet we are yeah yep. so it's I wouldn't put it past him to bring River back Clara back you know the whole freaking lot yeah, I wouldn't be at all sorry. Amy and yeah. Rory, um, the the uh, what's um you know the little girl who played Amy as a kid, but the one that doesn't look anything like her that was in the <laughs> Day of the Doctor. You oh, know, yeah, that yeah. girl running around the concert. It's like, well, who's that? <laughs> you know, yeah. Amelia Pond. Amelia, yeah. yeah, she'll be back. Twenty years old. Yeah, yeah. It's well, I mean, it, it could be okay. I mean, I can't really criticise too much because, like I said, Russell T Davis did that and brought you know everyone mm. back, and that was. A lot of people criticise it, but that would be blubbering like a baby. And, yeah. you know, I loved it. I I, compl- I love all that stuff. So it could be good, but for some reason I've just got, a, you know, the way that the moth does things, it's just it could be, you know, a bit of a, a washout. Mm. I've got a serious question for you, actually. Um, you were saying about Capaldi bowing out at the end of Series 10. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people assume or think he will. Um, but my question is, a lot of people feel that the BBC would love to see him go. I think they they think because you know the viewing figures and you know sales and merchandise has sort of dropped off. They they would like to see a new doctor come in and revamp the series. Do, do you think that's true? Do you think the BBC that's how the BBC feel, or do you think they're quite happy to have him if he was to stay on when Chibbers takes over for another series? Do you think the BBC would be happy with that, or or do you think they they want him gone? Because that's a, a lot of people seem to think that. I think it depends on who you talk to at the BBC. I think if you talk to anybody who's based in BBC Wales, like the production side of things, I would probably say that they love Capaldi. Yeah. And none of that stuff. If you speak to more of the, the BBC bigwigs, you know, in in their eyes and in their mind, it's just pound signs. Yeah. I you know, that's my my view on it. So I honestly don't think they, they give a, a beep, you know, who <laughs> the, the doctor is at the time. As long as the show's bringing in the money, then they don't really care. That's my view on it. But if you speak to people that are lower down the chain, you know, who are like making the show, like BBC Kimmy, I think those guys, you know, they probably get quite attached to the actor playing the Doctor because they, mm. you know. So what do you think? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with you there. I think you're totally right. Yeah, I was going to say, there is part of me that feels that there is a certain quarter of the uh, BBC that would perhaps like to see him go. Not because they've got anything against Capaldi, but I think they feel that it needs a bit of a revamp. But I think they're confusing a brilliant actor with perhaps some poor writing. Cause I don't think the problems with the show that, that it's clearly got at the moment, um, lie with Capaldi, but I think he sort of bears the brunt of it. Cause he's at the front of the show. If you Absolutely. See what I mean. yep. So people sort of assume if Capaldi goes, everything will be great again, but it's actually, it's not Capaldi. That's the issue. So I think, yeah, I think there's a bit of that as well. 
I, I, I hope he stays on. I'd, lo- I'd love to see him under a new new writer for a, at least a series. I think would be great. But uh, I, my gut feeling is he'll he'll go. That, I think. I think that's the consensus, isn't it? That mm. after the moth goes, he'll go. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, but like I, David, he left with Russell, didn't he? Yeah, but I, I want him to be a bit militant. I want him to be like no. <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm I'm assuming that he has some kind of contract to do a certain amount of shows or a series or whatever, and uh, you know, as long as the people renew it, then why not just do it? Mm-hmm. Just, and I, I suppose if it's it depends if he's happy with with the scripts as well, because you know he's he's an actor at the end of the day, and if he's getting scripts through, I mean, as much as he loves Doctor Who, if you put yourself in his place, like say. We, you know, me and you were the Doctor. We love the show, whatever. But if we're getting scripts through that we think are oh, poor or or perhaps not as good as we would hope or, you know, because he's a Doctor Who fan as well, isn't he? So he, he probably sits there just like we would thinking, oh, I could I could write a better script than this. You know what I mean? I could do I could do this. <laughs> so, that you know, he, he can't help but think that if he's not happy with how things are, he might decide to leave because of that, mm. not because he thinks, you know, it's his time to move on. He just might think that, you know, I've done my run. I think I'll get out now and do, <laughs> do something else, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting topic. You know, mm. trying to guess people's thoughts and what's going to happen but um i unfortunately i think he will go but i'd like him to stay on yeah would be good i echo that yeah right i think i hear some daleks tapping on the door i definitely heard something out there let's let's see what it is match corner match corner match corner i don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted it's a bit rubbish but it's pretty. It's very pretty. The Daemons. Brilliant story. Or the Demons. Whichever we want to say it. The Daemons, the Demons. I think it's Daemons. Just, is it the Daemons? It's the Daemons, yeah. I forever, <clears throat> forever get annoyed when I watch my location video because I call it the Demons. But it is okay. the Daemons, yeah. That's a cracking story from Pertwee. Brilliant, yeah. Pertwee's era. And um, there's been um, these sort of spin-off fan-made uh, DVDs that pop up now and then. And if you guys remember, I think it was either earlier this year or last year, there was a DVD that came out called Downtime. Yeah. Was it this year? Earlier this year or last uh, year? I thought remember. I was thinking this this year. It wasn't that long ago anyway, yeah. No. And so they've made a direct sequel to that. And you'll probably know this more than I do because I haven't, I didn't get it. But if I remember correctly, Downtime was... Uh, a store, a spin-off story that was set around the same time as the Damons, and it had the Brig. Oh, was well, it? it um, yeah, I don't think it's set around the same time, but it's got the Brig. Um, the Brig's in it. You have got Lethbridge, uh, no, not Lethbridge Stewart, uh, Kate Stewart. That's right. uh, in it yeah. as well, but a different actress, obviously. Um, you also had some of the sort of classic TV stars in it. Um, so you had Elizabeth Sladen, um, and who's the other one? Oh, I'm forgetting. You had a couple of sort of the classic TV stars in it as well. So it'll come to me while we're speaking. I can't think of a name at the minute. Yeah. yeah. I actually quite enjoyed Downtime, actually. I have to be honest, because I'd never seen it. Um, so I just bought it. I think it was quite cheap, nine ninety nine. I thought, oh, I'll just give it a watch, see what it's like. I mean, it's very sort of basic in production. Hmm. Um, but it is it's sort of... Um, sort of in the middle between fan-made and professional, if you know what I mean. So it's, yeah. It's an amateur. It's an amateur. It's an amateur, but amateur it's, movie, yeah. Yeah, but it, it still works quite well. I actually really enjoyed watching that. Yeah. yeah. So the same people have made a direct sequel to Downtime, and it's also a sequel to The Damons. 
Yeah. So direct, sort of like a sort of carry on uh, story directly from the Damons, and um, the the description is um, so it's a direct uh, sequel. Um, in the film, uh, Cavendish, which character's Cavendish? Uh, he's broken by his experiences in downtime and hides away in a cottage where he becomes absorbed by the occult. Uh, Kate Lethbridge, Stuart of Unit, travel to see him uh, after an appeal for help and together they battle the resurgent evil demons from the story of the same name. So oh. it's bringing back, you know, the, 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 the monster villain aspect from the Pertwee story. But it's made in that sort of, you know, it's in that world of Doctor Who, you know, it's all the same characters and stuff. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, it might be it might be cool to pick up both of them together because I wouldn't want to watch this one without watching Downtime first. Yeah, it's a good point. Actually, I, I would recommend Downtime. I really, as I said, if you sort of take it for what it is, I actually really quite enjoyed watching it. I wouldn't say it is nothing amazing about it, um, but it's just yeah, it's quite an interesting little watch. Um, funny enough, do you know I had this in my basket uh, to order <laughs> the start of this week. Um, and just because of like thinking about I need needing to save money for the comic con and stuff, I actually took it out. So I I nearly ordered this this week. So I'm really intrigued by it. Um, if any of our listeners have actually seen it, um, I'd be really interested to know whether they think it's worth getting or not. Because I I no doubt will pick it up at some point. But from what I've heard or or seen on the sort of comments, I hear that it's not as good as downtime. I hear that most people prefer downtime, maybe because it's got you know, Nick Courtney, Elizabeth Sladen and all that. And Deborah Watling was the person I was trying to think of. And also it features the Yeti. So it's got ah, quite yeah. a lot of good ingredients in in downtime. Whereas I think in this one, I don't think there's any sort of uh, classic dot two cast is there. I think they've got the same lady to play, Kate Stewart, who is quite good, actually. Yeah, I believe um, so. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely will pick some at some point. But as I said, I, I kind of regret putting it back <laughs> because I do want to see it. But it's just at the minute uh, with... With money going to other things, I'm I'm not picking it up. But uh, yeah, if anyone out there has seen it, let us know if it's if it's worth getting because I'd I'd be interested. Yeah, I'm interested as well. I mean, I, I don't know how much this will be. It's how much is it? Nine ninety nine? Is it? It's yeah, it's nine ninety nine again. It's a good price. Um, yeah, it is. I'm just intrigued by it. I quite like these little fan made things. They got they got a good charm to them. If you know what I mean, they're quite quite interesting. Yeah, and this is out on the 18th of July. So it's only a few days away. Yeah, that's right. So yes, give us your your um your thoughts and reviews on on this. If you've seen downtime as well, um, I'd be interested to see what your feelings are on this as a sequel as well, because it's very rare do you get uh, a fan made, an unofficial fan film that goes on to get a sequel. It's quite rare, so mm. we'd be interested to find out. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to do for news and merch. We're going to crack on with our uh, review of Ooh. one that we've been asked to do quite a few times, you know. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Over the past year and a bit, we do get the odd tweet and Facebook. When are you going to do Blink? <laughs> when are you going to do Blink then? And Have you guys thought about doing Blink? <laughs> yeah. I've got one for you. Why don't we you do Blink? about it. <laughs> and that, I'm not insinuating that that's how any of you talk. That's just me being stupid. But yes, Adam... You know, I want because we're doing this over Skype. I want you to stare at me. I don't want any looking away. Just give it to me. What are we doing? <laughs> I'm covering my eyes in the <laughs> weeping angel way. Just so you know, listener. <laughs> uh, well, you're never going to believe it, but this week we're doing Blink. Don't blink. Blink and you're dead. 
Don't turn your back. Don't look away. And don't blink. Good luck. one of those sort of semi-creepy scary ones yeah and a good introduction to uh one of probably the most well one of the most famous doctor who monsters from modern who thanks to this one it's um it's one of the best new new doctor monsters isn't it even though i think this is their best story they were kind of they were kind of watered down a bit i think in the other ones but yeah they are still a really good creation aren't they these guys they are the weeping angels. Yep, yeah, the angels that weep. Mm. And it's well, we'll come on to this a little bit later. But uh, before we get into the details, one of the things that is quite incredible about Blink is that it's it's written by Stephen Moffat, and it's yes, you know, and just the writing alone, you know, is potentially one of the best things that he's ever written for Doctor Who. Yes, you know, I, I, it's timey wimey, very very timey mm-hmm. wimey. But he actually does it really well, doesn't he? In this one, yes, and it's quite it, seeing it. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's, he wrote some fantastic stuff. You know, when he was uh, he started with Matt Smith's era, wrote some not so good stuff, but he has wrote some great stuff. But um, we'll we'll come on to this later. But he it's definitely one of those scripts where you think, "Wow, did Moffat write that?" Mm. You know, yeah. you know, if you if you've been into Who a little bit and you want to rewind, you know, so if you if you're a newer um, viewer to Who or Matt Smith is your Doctor and that's it, and then you decided that you want to rewind a bit and check out some previous Doctors, when you get to this one, it is a little bit of a surprise. You think, wow, did did Moffat write this one? It's hard to believe that the same person who wrote this wrote some of the other stuff we've seen from him because it is uh, the script is really tight. It's 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 clever. Um, it's funny as well. Um, Moff- Stephen Moffat often gets criticised for not being able to write female characters, mm-hmm. um, which a lot I, a lot of that I would agree with. But with this one, uh, the writing for Sally Sparrow is is really good. She's a really good female character in Doctor Who. So you know, it's one of the one of the few times where he's really got that right. Um, when we said at the beginning um, that I'm I'm kind of glad I gave this another watch before we reviewed it because the first time it said I thought it was good. But I didn't get why the internet exploded over it. I thought, well, yeah, it was good, but it wasn't because people were going nuts. <laughs> the internet Second exploded. Time I, it did. People <laughs> were like, wow, that's the best episode ever. And it didn't even hardly have the Doctor in it because it's <laughs> Doctor-like story. But um, So, yeah, I thought it was good. I didn't quite – I thought it was a little bit overrated. Watched it again a couple of times over the years. Always thought it was very strong. When I watched this on Tuesday, I – I know what it was – I absolutely loved it it finally fine i mean i've always thought it was good but it finally sort of went right up there with being one of the best i i just i don't know it just everything clicked when i watched this the other day Mm -hmm. um just just everything about it i was just sat there thinking this episode is brilliant you know i really really enjoyed it yeah, and I've always liked it, but I just think now I get it. Now it's it's a great, strong story. Mm. There's obviously there are a couple of little bits where I think it could have been improved, which we'll go into. But overall, yeah, Stephen Moffat should be very proud of this story. It's it's, it's cracking. Yes, and I'm I'm glad that you've you went through some of that stuff because I, I completely concur because I, I'm, I've seen this one a few times, but I haven't seen it in a while. 
And it was one of those times where I stuck it on and literally halfway through, I was like, oh my God, I completely and utterly forgot about uh, quite an important character in the story. Because when I think about this episode, when people say, what do you think about Blink? And you know, you've seen Blink, what do you reckon? I always think of, obviously, Sally Sparrow. Yeah. And I think of the scene where her and um, Larry take, Larry, take yeah. the DVD player to the mansion, sorry, the, the, the old manor house, and they have that sort of conversation across time with the Doctor and then the angels chasing them and then and that scene where the angels are trying to get into the TARDIS and stuff. Yes, that's so, brilliant when it's rocking from yeah. side to side. Yeah. So I remember all that that stuff, but for some reason there were just key elements that completely obliterated from my memory. I've no idea why. And then when I watched this yesterday, I was like, wow, this is... So I'm, I'm like you. I thought it before, the, you know, the previous times when I watched it, it's probably about a year since I've watched this one. I remember thinking, yeah, that was a really good episode. And then when I rewatched it yesterday, I thought that is a cracking episode. Mm. I got really engrossed in it. Yeah. Like much more than ever before. And I don't know why, maybe because I was writing notes, reviewing it. I don't know. But I got really, really engrossed in the story of it this time. Um, Who was the character you forgot? It was the policeman. Yes. It was D.I. Billy Shipton. Mm. I'd completely forgotten about him. I've no, I, I don't know why, because, you know, he's not really, he's quite integral to the plot. Yeah. And uh, I just completely forgot. So if before yesterday, if you'd have said to me, tell me the characters are in Blink, you know, I would have said Sally, Kathy, obviously, Larry, um, the, 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 the guy that turns up at the house with the letter, uh, Kathy's grandson. Yeah. Uh, the guy sitting on the wall. When Kathy goes back to 1920, the first guy that she sees on sitting on the wall, mm-hmm. you know, all that, you know, obviously the Doctor and Martha, but I would have completely have just overlooked old Billy. I, I know what you mean. I don't know why though. <laughs> that scene in the, in the, where she goes to see him when he's old mm-hmm. in the hospital. See, I'd forgotten all about that, how oh. that all loops around and ties up. And I was thinking, I actually was quite, <laughs> this is what I mean about being really engrossed in it when I watched it this week. I was actually getting a bit choked up at uh-huh. that scene. And I was thinking, now, come on, Ad, you, how many times have you watched this episode? And a bit like you just said, I'd almost forgotten about that whole bit, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, yeah, I was getting a little bit teary. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, that's quite, that's quite subtle because he's like a beautiful girl or whatever, isn't he? And he's, you know, um, like you said, he's out to live out this life just to bring her the letter. And, you know, sad, yeah, yeah. It is sad. Yeah. Which is really, it's a testament really to the stronger elements of the story. Because mm. it's those things that stand out so much that does it doesn't put the other things in shadow because they're <clears throat> excuse me because they're not any good. Like all the characters are fairly good in this, or well, they're very good in fact. Um, it's just that Moffat created such a great monster and a great villain with the Weeping Angels, and there's that iconic. You know, it will go down as an iconic piece of you know TV with the Doctor. You know, doing that famous quote through the tv and stuff like that i think those things are so large in people's minds that they eclipse like the smaller elements of the the episode maybe yeah there's some great ideas in it i Mm. mean because when you actually watch the episode as well it is it is not the 
fastest paced in terms of action because i was thinking this yesterday thinking you know would younger viewers that would have been watching back then you know back in the david Tennant era where a lot more sort of younger kids watch dot two than perhaps they do now yeah or they've just grown up basically um but would they have been engrossed in it as we are because it does you know there's not a lot of action in it in terms of it's mainly just really really good storytelling yes but there's not many action scenes until we get to the end so the actual beginning part you know, I mean, if you think about it, it's mostly conversation, talking, a little bit of this, there. you know, uh, getting, we sort of get to know the characters more. So there's not a lot of actual, you know, mm. action bits going on. But I'm thinking it it is so well written that it doesn't feel slow or I didn't find myself looking at my watch because I actually really got engrossed in what was going on. You know, I mean, the doctor doesn't come into it properly until about 20 minutes in, I don't think. Um 22 minutes, yeah, I wrote it down, before he actually appears on screen. Uh, he's Obviously, we get to see him on the TV, but it's not until we really see him, it's about 20 minutes in. Yeah, and that's the, that's the scene where he speaks to the young Billy. That's it, with him and Martha with that strange device, yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, so, right, let's talk, okay, let's quickly talk about the story, because, you know, the, the story is, you know, fairly... Um, Actually, let's just go back and mention who actually directed this because it's uh, it's quite a milestone for new Doctor Who because um, obviously it was written by Stephen Moffat, but it was directed mm-hmm. by Hetty MacDonald. And she was the first female director to direct an episode of Who since, when was it? Way back. Um, way back when. Time and the Rani. Way back when. Time, Time and the, the Rani? Yeah. Who directed Time and the Rani? Uh, Time and the Rani was... Didn't realise it was that far back. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Um, It was. Uh, Hold on. While Gary's looking for it, I'll just tell you all how much I love Time of the Rani, and for once I'm not being sarcastic. (laughs) As anyone who's (laughs) listened to our review knows, I'm unashamedly uh, a Time of the Rani fan. (laughs) Uh, Right, yeah. So I've just opened up Wiki. So Blink was directed by Hetty MacDonald making her the first female director of a Doctor Who episode since the sixth Doctor serial, The Mark of the Rani. Oh, The Mark of the Rani, Very right. Very sorry, yeah. Yeah, The Mark of the Rani, which was directed by Sarah Hellings. Oh, Sarah Hellings, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's another good story, actually, yeah. So, female director, and um, for me, this was one of the best directed episodes from the series. It's brilliantly directed. Um, there is some of the shots in it are are stunning. Um, I'm thinking you just reminded me of one when um, when we what's the name of the character that goes back to the Yorkshire Dales and we get a shot of them walking across the uh, hills and the skies in the background. It's almost like a painting. It's beautiful. Kathy, when uh, Kathy, Kathy. Goes back. Yes, yep. when she goes back. Um, but overall, yeah, I mean, all the sort of the way the angels are filmed in the sort of house. Mm-hmm. Um, the scary, you know, old battered up house that they go in. Yeah, it's very nicely directed, I have to say. It is yeah. very nice. And it it moves along at a really nice pace as well. Mm. Because it would have been all too easy to try and make this, um, uh, like you mentioned, there aren't many action scenes until we get later on in the story where um, Sally and Larry, <laughs> Sally and Larry, mm-hmm. uh, or at that that scene where they they realise that you know these statues are actually real, you know they, they, they buy into the Doctor's story, and they start getting chased down into the basement and then around the TARDIS. 
up yeah. until that point, it all flows along really nicely. So you have these lovely um, scenes where, like you said, where you have Kathy walking across the fields. Uh, even the scene where she first goes, you know, when she gets thrown back in time and there's uh, the guy sitting on the wall. What's his name? I've forgotten his name. I think his name's Ben. The guy she marries? Yeah, I think. Yeah. No, maybe possibly. Anyway, the, the young chap that's sitting on the wall, there's when she first when she first goes back in time and she has like a very quick, like, where am I? What's going on? And he's like, you're in Hull. She's like, no, I'm not. I was just in London. Yeah, that scene. And then when they finish talking, the camera sort of pulls back lovely and he's like up on the wall with the tree. She's sitting there, it's almost silhouetted. Things yeah. like that just make, it makes all the difference when you're trying to tell a story because you've got these lovely big establishing shots. And like you said, with the house as well, just the way that the camera sort of moves really nice and slowly across things. Mm. Um, and in, in dialogue as well, when people are having dialogue, it's that, it's that nice sort of back and forward, you know, talking heads kind of thing. But then there's also, it's, you know, thrown in the mix with that. You have these really nice shots that just pan across slowly and it's just really nice. It's a, it's a lovely looking uh, episode. It is, yeah. And you're yep. saying about um, the way it sort of builds as well because, like you said, we, there's a good mixture of getting to know the characters in this and the sort of build-up of tension really builds nicely all the mm -hmm. way through. It sort of just keeps ramping up every sort of couple of scenes, ramps up another bit more and another bit more. You know, it's yeah, it's really well done. I mean, the music helps as well. So mm. you've got brilliant direction, yeah. lovely-looking episode. Um, Murray's music is, is really good at it. I have to say, it's not... I don't think it's his best work and the only reason i say that is because there are sort of some of the lighter moments where we sort of get this um <laughs> like uh, electric piano music that reminds me of like new tricks that doom ding ding you know it's kind of just background moving the scene along so there's a little bit <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little yeah. bit of that but you know when, when murray does shine when we get to sort of um the angels coming for people i mean that's you know he his music really emphasizes those scenes to make them scary i i think they might have held back just a little though on the jump factor in this i think that's only one of my very few criticisms of this story um it is well directed but i do think it could have been even more creepy even more jumpy mm -hmm. um, but i i have a feeling they might have done that on purpose to make it a bit more um you know russell's era was a bit more family orientated so i think perhaps they might have held back on that because i'm sure that they could have made this really really scary if they'd have wanted to um, if this had been under Moffat's reign, I have a feeling he would have ramped up the horror a bit more uh, in this one. I completely agree. I, I, they could have gone to town on it and mm. made it like super creepy. Yeah. Because the angels, they are often voted, aren't they, as one of the scariest yes. monsters yeah. from Who, you know? So they, they really could have um, they really could have played up the, the whole sort of direct scare factor. But one thing that I did like about the episode is as a result of not doing that, it made it made the concept a lot scarier for me because they did this thing where, I think it's the end, I think it's the, the last couple of minutes, where they insinuate that, you know, any statue out in the world could be, a you know, a weeping angel. Yeah. Which is terrifying because they do Absolutely all these like... Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. They do all these different shots, don't they, of these various yeah. statues, I'm, I'm assuming around Cardiff and Wales. And you, it does trick your mind. You do think, well, hold on. That's a good point. 
because mm. I had the gargoyle up on the thing and then I have these like statues out in town and the music's, you know, a bit creepy as well. And the way they cut to each statue, it, it is quite, it does play on your mind a little bit. So I think as an offshoot to that, by not having the, the sort of a typical horror movie jumps and scares, you know, as a, as a nice little byproduct of that, we do have this sort of more sinister sort of long-term fear about statues now, I guess. I, I thought the ending was absolutely genius, actually. I'm glad you've mentioned it. I just thought, what a way to end it. Because, yeah, I think that goes back to the sort of classic era of, of making something that's an everyday thing that you would walk past and not think anything of. And yeah, if you you know if you're a small kid, they might have walked past something the next day and thought, oh, could be a weaving angel that statue. <laughs> and I just thought that was brilliant and and reminded me of the classic era a lot. You know, um, yeah, and, that, and the way it builds with Tennant talking on the screen as well, it's it's it just ends the episode brilliantly. It's it's perfect. That, yeah, that ending. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and before we get on to um some of the cast, just a bit more story stuff. What did you think to the whole? Because it is quite timey-wimey, the concept of... Oh, very. Because there were a couple of times where I thought... And I don't like to pick holes because it is is very cleverly written and stuff. But, like, for example, there's a scene where she's talking to the... Well, she's having a conversation with the doctor on the telly. And I think she asks him, how do you know what I'm going to say 40 years before, you know, I've said it? And he says, look to your left... Yeah. So how does he know what where she's watching this? I did think that. You yeah, know, I was thinking how cuz the other bits make sense but how would he know cuz he wouldn't have written oh, I don't know you see I'll tell you what this is the thing with this episode <laughs> if you think too much about things like that it will it, it's a mind melt. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, because I, I was thinking that. Yeah, because yeah. I thought that the doctor obviously knows that she's sitting there with Larry because he's transcribing the conversation so that's all good. Yeah. But how does he know that she was specifically sitting in front of a TV and he was off to her left? Yeah. You know, so it's little things like that. And I, and you're right, when you overthink it, it's like my mind just can't cope because you end up going into like the time loops and all this sorts of stuff. And um, so what did you think to the whole sort of timey-wimey aspect? Because it's the first time that, I think it's the first time that the Doctor explicitly states that you know, they're ba- wobbly. Yeah, they're basically buying themselves a get-out-of-jail-free card with that statement, aren't they? Because what they're saying is, don't worry too much about the aspects of time travel and stuff. Don't let it trouble your mind. All you need to know is, it's a bit fuzzy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do, what do you reckon to that? Because it's the first time that the Doctor's actually said... Uh, really, I think he's, they're saying it to the viewer. You know, he's kind of saying, yes, Doctor Who can be very timey-wimey at times and because we don't want you to concentrate on continuity errors just forget about it it's timey-wimey just enjoy it yeah just enjoy there's it. Re- yeah, yeah there's there's reasons and get outs for everything no i think that that is the thing i mean it, it does work incredibly well in this i mean we all know how stephen moffat loves to be timey-wimey <laughs> um and uh yeah but it, it's very successful in this i mean i did you do naturally in your mind while you're watching it try to sort of catch him out you know even mm-hmm. if you don't realize you're doing it because i was sort of thinking um when uh bill is you know old in the bed and i was thinking so does that mean he's had to live all this time up until that point wouldn't he have met his young self or has his young self disappeared because he's gone you know the angels are going you know i mean there are so many things you could read into it and yeah and, and, and uh pick apart um but i think uh peter capaldi sort of 
said once um, on on stage. He's like, you know, if you're going to do that with a story, you may, where are you going to stop? Because you could say that about the whole premise of Doctor Who. You know, it's a guy traveling around in a police box that's bigger on the inside than the outside. You know, you, where do you stop if you start picking things to pieces? Exactly. You've just got to yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, I think I think this is pretty tight. I mean, there are I can think of sort of other Stephen Moffat stories where there are quite a lot of. Um, plot holes and you sort of think okay I mean I think some of them even just sort of says you know yeah I there is a big plot hole there but go with it I think wasn't it Magician's Apprentice where he's like I'm not gonna even going to bother explaining it I'm just going to tell you to that, go yep. with it <laughs> yeah so but this one I think um, is pretty tight yeah there's the odd bit that makes you think but um, I think in a good way rather than the sort of sat there thinking oh you know, that can't happen because blah, blah, blah. Well, this one, I think it's more of a, um, well, that's interesting, but would it be, you know? So, yeah, I think he's done it pretty well in this, I have to say. I agree. It is done. It is fairly tight. And like you, I was watching it thinking there must be a little something, you know, <laughs> yeah. there must be a little yeah. catch here and there. So, but it, it's absolutely one of those times where you just sort of, you know, suspend your belief. That's you it. You know, and, and yeah. just, you know, get wrapped up in the whole thing which you do i think you you mentioned that earlier where you've got engrossed in this one and you were you know it's you were intrigued you know moving forward more so than you have on previous watches mm. and i was the same i was sort of couldn't tear myself away i really wanted to to get through the episode and it was an enjoyable it was an enjoyable because you do have to think about stuff in this one you do yeah. have you do have to concentrate, especially on some of the scenes where the doctor's explaining what's going on, and a lot of the scenes where Sally is trying to decipher what's going on as well. You you do have to concentrate a little bit as you watch through the episode, but oh, it's an enjoy yeah. it's an enjoyable thinking time if that makes sense. Yeah, that's right, because you know? your your mind's trying to piece it together as the episode moves along, and it by the time you get to the end of it, the good thing with this episode is it does all work. It does. <laughs> yeah, whereas I think sometimes in an episode, you might be sort of going through it, trying to piece it together, yeah. and you don't always get the payoff with Stephen Moffat's scripts um, at the end of the episode. You know, sometimes you have to wait a whole blimmin' two series before you get the payoff, so mm. it's quite nice at the end of this, it just all fits very nicely together, I think. Yeah. yeah. And there's one very big aspect of this episode that I really like as well. And I must apologise now to our, one of our listeners, Jay Kent. Oh, yeah. Because he mentions the same thing in his audio review, which we'll play in a little while. So I'm very, very sorry to steal your thunder on that. But it's <laughs> something that I thought about a couple of times as well about this episode. And that is the way that Moffat has written the, the Angels. He absolutely puts the viewer in the story. Because the concept of the angels is that they turn to stone when they're observed by any living thing, isn't it? Yeah. So they could have, again, they could have very easily slipped up with that. and Well, not slipped up, but they could have very easily done this thing where when the actors within the episode aren't viewing the, the angels, we as the viewer could have seen what they were like when they're not stone creatures. With it. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. even as the viewer, we never see them at any time other than as their stone statue. So that makes yeah. it even more creepy because we don't know what they're like when they're not being observed. Now that's interesting because in the other Angel story, that we did see a bit of that. And a I little bit. 
And yeah. I think it was a mistake, wasn't it? it absolutely. We sort of saw yep. them slightly moving and we're thinking, no, we don't want to see that because they're supposed to move like lightning. And it does make it so much more creepier, you're right, because you're waiting for them to move the whole time. When as if you if you see them moving slowly, what's what's that story called? The the next angel one? Hungry Earth or something. The next they, angels one. Is it Hungry Earth and I can't remember the Silurian one? But you sort of see them moving, don't you? And it takes away a bit of the magic, I think. So I think you're absolutely right. It's so much better when we just see them static. It's also weird, though, because there are because they're always static. Don't you think it's weird that they actually got two people to play <laughs> some of the Weeping Angels? Like, we don't see them move. I, don't, I never understand why they had to, these poor actors had to endure hours of makeup <laughs> to stand absolutely still. Why didn't they just, well, you know, make it? They didn't have to stand absolutely still. I suppose they do move their hands, but we don't see it. I don't know. Because, yeah, the way that they filmed it was they needed to have actors doing that because they couldn't they couldn't afford to build, even if they were like polystyrene or, you know, whatever statues they were that quite cheap to make, the, the angels move in so many poses, you know, Hands across the face, arm across the face, reaching out, different facial. It would have been such a, you know, such a bore lake to just move them around all the time. That's uh, a very good point, actually. And what they did was they got actors to play the, the, the different poses and they did move around a bit. But what they did was in post-production, they froze them. Oh, right. So anytime when there's not a lot of movement going in front or behind any of the angels, um, they cleverly sort of, you know, Took, took the figures out in post-production. Not took them out, but they sort of masked them and just froze them in the scene. Gotcha. That's interesting. Actually, it does make a lot mm. more sense. I was going to say, because their they're still acting is superb, but that, oh, yeah. that explains it. I'll yeah. tell you, the bit I love is when she looks out of the, is it the police cell window, and there there's two statues by the church, and she blinks, and then the next shot, she, she's like, oh, they've gone. Yes. And then the camera yeah. pans back, and they're outside the, the, the window, window yeah. she's looking out. That is absolutely brilliant it's creepy yeah it's creepy yeah. as yeah it's very creepy so good yeah so i mean the weeping angels fair play to Stephen moffat it did create one of the such a great concept brilliant monster for doctor who absolutely of one of his little shining moments of genius there um okay let's talk about if you've got no more story scripty timey-wimey stuff that you want to mention no, no, the other thing I would just say though, but going back to Stephen Moffat, when you know when we do knock them off, um, this does remind me how many great little ideas he just suddenly plucks out of the air. Because the other bit I love in this um, is the DVD extras bit that you know that there's these little messages on DVDs from the Doctor, and you have to put them all together. And that's right. What a great little idea that is, and it works. You know, because obviously he was given the task of writing a a script a doctor light script mm -hmm. you know the doctor can't be in it much but what a great way of getting around it having these clips that sally spallow interacts with and mm -hmm. i just thought that was such a nice simple brilliant clever idea and it's you know every now and again Stephen moffat just pulls something like that out of the air and combine that with the you know the creation of the weeping angels he's <laughs> he's on fire on this one he yeah is, he yeah. really is yeah and it goes to show just how great a writer he is when he hasn't got all the other noise in the background going on. Absolutely. <clears throat> so yeah. when, you know, at this point in time when he wasn't showrunner, he just pulls out this fantastic script and story. 
Yeah. You know, just when he hasn't got all that pressure and everything else going on, he can just focus solely on on his individual little bubble of Doctor Who. Yeah. It's great. Uh, right, cast, casting stuff. Uh, let's talk about, let very quickly then, the angels. Um, fantastic design. Lovely design, yeah. Um, absolutely timeless. They've got that. I think Stephen Moffat took inspiration from uh, an angel statue that he did actually see in a graveyard somewhere. Oh, okay. And they've sort of, you know, they've designed that. It's, you could picture one of these in a graveyard somewhere looking very creepy, looking quite sinister, especially at night time. Absolutely. And I guess a true story here, there is a house five minutes from where I live. It's got this um, little path that goes right, right to the top of their garden that you can see. And right at the end of the path, I absolutely swear to you, is what looks exactly like one of these weeping angels. No way. And I cannot, every single time I walk past the house, I just have to look at it. And um, <laughs> I've even tried to get a picture of it, but it's quite, yeah, it's quite a long path, but you can just see this stone statue angel um, about the size of a person no at the way. end of it. I know, honestly, I'll try and get a picture, but I always feel bad because it's someone's house. But um, but yeah, I think of it every time I walk past. And again, that's why I love this story because it's in my head, that is a weeping angel. And in my head, every time I walk past, it gets a little bit closer. Wow, that's, that is yeah, creepy. It is. Even things like um, in the Who shop in London, they sell these, uh, they sell these round um, uh, plaque, not a plaque thing, but it's like a, it's like a circular piece of wood and it's got the angel's head oh, okay. uh, on the front and they're in that pose where they've got their mouth open and their teeth are bearing. Oh, yeah. And um, <laughs> I always wind up because my wife absolutely hate she hates the weeping angels. Really? <laughs> not, not, not hate them because she dislikes them as a Doctor Who monster, but because she's so scared. Yeah. Because um, when I said to her yesterday, um, uh, when you get in later, we're going to watch Blink because I'm we're reviewing it on the podcast and she's like, nope. She's like, nope, you can watch <laughs> that on. Seen it. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you can watch it on your own. I can't watch it. She's genuinely quite terrified of them. Yeah. And uh, I always wind her up and say, I'm going to get that next time I'm in the Who shop, I'm going to get it and it will go, you know, above the back door or something. <laughs> and she, uh, yeah, she freaks oh, out. We must get it next time with her. So yeah, the, the angels are a great design and an another example of just keeping it simple. You know, they look exactly yeah. as you would expect them to look. So if you describe these to somebody, you know, it's like an old looking angelic statue that you'd see in a graveyard. These absolutely fit that description. So, mm -hmm. so great stuff there. Yeah. Um, right. Some cast other live action people. Mm. What about, what about old Billy then? Billy, Billy Shipton, young Billy and old Billy. Young Billy and old Billy. Yeah. Uh, quite a nice little character, actually. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's quite, quite sweet, isn't it? How he just, <laughs> he's a bit of a lad. He just, you know, asks, asks Sally Sparrow out within five minutes of uh, meeting her, doesn't he? He's very confident, uh, isn't he? As he's confident. Young Billy, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I like that. It's um, it, it, it's like a bit of a refresher in the mm. episode, if you like, because up to this point and absolutely after this point, he is a little bit sinister and it is a sort of edge of your seat sort of episode, isn't it? It's very yeah. um, creepy and... So this is like a little refresher moment where it's very lighthearted. There's a bit of banter between him and Sally. Oh, there's a brilliant bit where she gets she says his surname instead of hers. <laughs> what a lovely little bit of writing. Um, what is his what is his Shipton. surname? Shipton. Shipton. Yeah. She says, "Oh, I'm Sally Shipton." Sparrow. <clears throat> like she's already married him in her head. Uh, a lovely little bit of writing that. Yeah. So it's yeah. a nice little moment where it's sort of lighthearted and sort of lifts you out of the, you know, the fear 
of the rest of the episode for a bit, which yeah. is nice. And the old Billy as well. He was, you know, very, very good actor playing old Billy. Very sincere, you know, very genuine. Yeah, he gives a nice performance. Yeah. I, I rewound actually because he said something about losing his hair. And I thought, well, you didn't have any hair, even as young Billy. But then I forgot, you do see that picture of him married where he's got like a bit of an afro. Oh, that's right. So yeah. I was like, oh, we yeah. did have hair. Yeah, that's I thought right. they'd I thought they'd slipped up there. See, that's what I mean about trying to catch <laughs> them out. Um, but yeah, it's a lovely little performance. And again, coming back to the direction, just having like the rain, um, the rain pouring outside and the reflection on them in the hospital waiting room, just really, again, beautifully shot. Yeah, yeah lovely. Mm. And quite sad as well. Quite a sad little moment with old Billy. Yeah. Because there's nothing she can do, obviously. He's on his deathbed, basically. Do you know what I like about that scene as well is when she, when we get to, when he, she stays with him, obviously, because it's his last night. Mm -hmm. See that again, that's the other thing I started thinking, oh, couldn't he have met her before? But I suppose the doctors told him it's got to be now. I don't know. Again, you could read all sorts into it. But what I love about that scene is that um, that's when she finally accepts the situation, isn't it? Because she's sort of there. She waits eventually, passes away. And then she's like, right. And then the music kicks in and we're off. And it's like everything suddenly comes together at that point. Yes, you know, right. it's like, dun, 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 dun. And you're like, oh, yes, here we go. Because up to that point, she's kind of like, what the hell's going on? You know, mm. I don't understand any of this. Yeah. So I really like that bit where it all, all clicks and kicks in. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, Larry, um, Larry, actually, no, before we get on to Larry, <laughs> the other guy that works in the DVD shop. Oh. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> That's like a Shaun of the. That's like a sort of spaced moment, isn't it? it, it or something? Yeah, it really is. It's um, it's a really funny just ten seconds when she goes into the shop, and he's just sat on the stool, isn't he? Mm. And he's looking up, watching this DVD, and he won't acknowledge anyone until that scene's done. So he's watching. Yeah. And he's like, yes, and she's like looking for. I think she's looking for Larry or something, and he's like, he's at the back, like. <laughs> What did you need me to tell you that for? And then he's back to the really cool little moment like that. Yeah, I love that because I think we could all, we've all met shop assistants like that that just sort of treat us with contempt for interrupting them in the shop. Yeah. Um, I also like the the leery little look he gives her as she walks off. He's such a like you you get his character within that sort of twenty second scene. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah I, I wanted to see a bit more of him. Yeah, because he was mind you, they yeah I think they got. I think they got the balance right in the episode. So maybe if we saw more of him, it would have sort of taken away from the rest of the the series, the uh, rest of the episode. But he was very funny. I, think, I don't know what his name. What's his name? Malcolm. I'm not sure. I, I, it's a nice little scene. Or maybe. I'm not sure. Or, um, it was either Malcolm or Banto. Banto sounds more like yeah. it. I'm not sure what his name was. Yeah, no. so lovely little, just very, very short little scene there with that guy. Um, and then Larry, the brother of Kathy. Yeah, Larry. He's been in some stuff before and I can't place him. Yes. Uh, Finley Robertson. He's got that face, isn't he, where you think, oh, I know him. But yeah, I was the same. Couldn't tell you anything mm. he's done, but I recognise him as well. Yeah. Yes. He, um, he, he played his role pretty good. Oh, sorry. He played his role pretty well, I thought. He had, um, he had like a very sort of movie geekness, mm. coolness to about him, uh, which is quite, which I think a lot of us can relate to. You know, if we've, those of us that really like our TV and movies and stuff like that, we do sort of obsess over the little details, like all the, the special features on discs and Easter eggs and all that stuff. So he's quite relatable, I think, to the target audience. Yeah, yeah definitely. Which is good. And he also played that looking absolutely petrified as well. 
He's a bit of a, um, I don't know, you can imagine, he's a bit of a sort of drift through life kind of guy. Just, yeah, like you said, a bit of a geek, likes his stuff, likes to shut himself away and watch movies and play games. And yeah, like you said, quote, quote, relatable. Yeah. <laughs> I could relate to a lot of that. But um, no, I, I thought he, he was one of the things that was better than I remembered, actually. I, I remember thinking he was a bit of a weak character and um i actually really liked him when i watched this again the other day i thought he almost reminded me a little bit of rory to a certain extent just that sort of um okay i don't know the yep. sort of flippant comment you know the the sort of um don't have a go at me sort of thing i don't know there was a little bit of rory to him i thought but um yeah i think he gives a really good little performance as well and you know especially when he's trapped with the angels at the end i felt sorry <laughs> for him i was like what what is sally doing she's just left him there with these angels coming towards him but um, but yeah, I thought he was quite good in it, actually. Yeah, I thought so. He, um, he, he's got this very laid back, really laid, laid back. Because yeah. I think the first time she sees him, he's just wandering around the house, like butt naked. Yeah. He does oh, that's the... funny when he remembers as well. And he co- he's clothed, isn't he? Uh, yeah, that's like, right. There it is. He yeah. covers himself up. <laughs> so he has got this very laid back, you know, chilled uh, thing going on, which is good. But he, he also, when he's like, um, when he's really scared, when the angels are like, you know, she's told him not to look away and he doesn't know what to do with himself because there's all commotion going on. He's trying to maintain focus and look at this angel that's in front of him and he, Sally's doing whatever she's doing. That's all really well directed as well. Great stuff in that bit. So, he's, he's a character I'd like to see again though because if you'd have asked me before I watched this, I wouldn't have, I would have probably said, hmm. no, not really. Um, but I, yeah, I really sort of took to him uh, with a rewatch. I quite liked him. He was good actually. Mm. And he did. I, I think you're right. I've not met. I've not thought of that before. But he did have a touch of the of the Rory's about him. Just it, a little bit. Yeah, just a sort of harmless, quite gentle sort of character. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can you you can imagine those scenes with Amy and Rory as well, where mm. Amy's the stronger one. Yes. You know, sort of taking care of business, and you know, Rory's just like you know, crap in his pants, like, oh my god, what's going on? Yeah. So it was quite similar to that dynamic, which is good. Uh, Kathy. Kathy Nightingale, Sally's best mate. Yeah. Uh, a bit of a sad one for her. Well, it is. But then again, I'll tell you what I love about it is that she, her life, she finds a life. And um, again, although we don't get to sort of know that much about her, I really liked her because I love the fact that she sends a letter with the photo showing that she got married. And she's like, what I love about it is she's like, don't feel bad for what's happened to me because I've had the best life and I kind of like that because she gets transported back to a very much simpler time something that perhaps we'd all like to sometimes go back to so I really liked that I thought it was a lovely idea that you know that actually she she had decided that although she this had happened to her that this was a much better time for her to be in and she made the most of it so I thought that was a lovely bit of writing actually yes it it, it does make you um it does make you think differently after you've, because when you when she first gets, you know, transported back to, was it nineteen twenty? Yeah, you you do immediately feel like, oh no, and you almost feel like, you know, Sally, why have you done this? You know, you sort of dragged your mate along, <laughs> and now you know she's ended up, you know, because as, as far as I understand it, even if the doctor wanted to go back in time and rescue her, he couldn't because the way that the angels. You know, there's something about that, isn't it? Where, yeah, you know, so, and that's bugging me now. Why, why that is? He says it in the. Um, he, again, it is slightly glossed over. He says it when he meets up with um, young Billy. When Billy gets transported, he says 
something like "I'm sorry." I'm, you know, he does his sorry speech that the tenth Doctor often does. Yeah. He's like, "I can't take you back because." That's right. And then he, I can't remember what he says, but it's, again, it's basically Stephen Moffat saying the script. Look, there is a reason. It's too long for me to go into. Just go with it. I, and I, you know, basically, the Doctor says that, doesn't he? He's like, "I, could, I can't." do anything about it because well it's wibbly wobbly timey wimey but just trust me sort of thing i think yeah and I, uh, he does mention doesn't he that the angels are quantum locked quantum locked yeah love that saying quantum yeah it's cool so i think it's something to do with that yes yeah. so you do feel very sorry for her at first you feel like you know even if the doctor you know somehow you know sally was to you know say to him I need you to go back and, you know, bring my friend back. He couldn't anyway. So initially you feel sad. But then, like you said, in that letter that she wrote, she does say, you know, I've had a great life. So it kind of evens itself out because the life that she had, you know, while she was in, what was it, 2007? Um, she wasn't really doing much. You get the feeling, you know, you get the feeling that she was just a single lass, you know, yeah. not, not really doing much. So maybe this, you know, sort of, is a sort of nice karma, if you like. So she ends up marrying that guy that she met on the wall the very first time she landed there and then has those kids. And so, yeah, that sort of sadness and that sort of feeling that you, you feel when you you first watch that bit, it does sort of get erased. <laughs> if you like, when Sally's reading out the letter, you do think, oh, she didn't end up too bad. Yeah, I, I, I love the idea of that because I think it's um, it sort of made me think because I was thinking, you know the sort of time that we live in i'm thinking you know spend my days on computers phones we all do it i was thinking what if we were transported back to a life when <laughs> there was none of that yeah. and we just met somebody and you can just sort of imagine that sort of fairy tale life of you know very much simpler times and she gets married as kids and she just loves it yeah. you know and i thought that is quite a nice little thought actually yeah. um so yeah really good and i have to say once again in my head, I always remembered her performance being a bit um, theatre. And actually, it's not at all. She actually no. gives a good little performance. So what's the actress name? Lucy Gaskell. Yeah. Is it? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, she, again, was much better than I sort of thought in my head. I thought she gave a nice nice little performance. Yeah. And Sally. Sally Sparrow. Sally Sparrow. The companion that, that never was but not, could have been so good. Not related to Captain Jack. Sparrow. she could have been a great companion oh she is just what's the actress's name uh, carrie, mulligan. carrie mulligan yeah she um she is just so good there was one scene there was one line that she says that cemented that thought for me <clears throat> when she's having the the conversation through the tv with the doctor mm. and he says you know something about time he says it's complicated and she's like you know, tell me. And he's like, it's very complicated. She then says something like, well, I'm clever. Mm. You know, well, I'm clever. You know, uh, people have died and I'm not happy. The way that she delivers that line, I that was just it for me. I was like, she would be such a good companion because she doesn't, she's one of these people you can tell that won't take any nonsense from the doctor. Mm. And she's also, she is very clever. She is very smart. So she's got that really good combination of things that you would, associate with a companion so when i heard her say that i remember the very first time i watched it i was like wow she's good yeah she's very good quite authoritative um yeah and just a really good uh, just a really well-written character as well not one of these damsels in distress that's like you know oh this is happening around me i don't know what's going on she takes control she wants to know what's going on and just re and really good performance as well 
superb performance. Yeah. yeah, she she handles the the comedy moments brilliantly. She handles the horror moments brilliantly. She hand like you said, she handles the bits with the doctor brilliantly. Yeah. She's just superb. I I would love to have seen her like join the doctor. I, I did keep thinking, you know, I was thinking, is is she is she too similar to Rose? Yeah, you know, would it, if she'd have joined the Doctor, would people have been saying, "Oh, it's another Rose"? Um, but I think she's much, much better than that. I, I really, really love the character. I think she's incredibly well written. Um, I know, as I said earlier, Moffat always gets um, slated for the way he writes female characters, and a lot of that is justified. Um, but uh, he did, he did a really good job writing this character. She's likable. Probably a lot of it is down to her performance as well. She's she's a really, really good little actress. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah um, really want to see more of her. Yeah. And I don't I don't feel like we would have had, you know, any of that um The Rose. That Rose stuff because there mm. was none of that flirtatious stuff going on with her and the doctor. She didn't really True. you know, she didn't immediately have that, you know, that look about her where she's like, Ooh, he's nice. You know, there was none mm. of that, you know, that that Rose potentially had and Martha had as well at the beginning. She's a bit more towards Donna rather than Rose with yeah, that true, side of things, Yeah, true, yeah. She's say. stronger, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. So she I, went on to... Sorry. I agree with you, mate. She'd have been a great companion. I was just going to say, she went on to... She's done quite well, I think, this actor. She's done quite a lot of film, I think. Did she go off to the States or something? So I don't think... I guess I would love love to see her again. Um, but I don't know. I think she's gone on to do quite big things. I believe, but um, it would be great to see the Doctor visit Sally Sparrow again. Um, that's a lovely scene as well when she runs out of the DVD store at the end and gives him all the information and he's like, I've really got a, what is it, um, four, there's four things in the lizard or something. Yes. He's like, you know, I've got to go, yeah. I really haven't got time. And she's like, of course, you haven't met me yet. And again, like you just said, it just shows what a great companion because she's worked it out for herself. You know, she's a very oh, intelligent yeah. Yeah. woman. Yeah, she's like, of course, it's me that gives you all the information and Again, ties everything up just perfectly. But yeah. oh, such a yeah, such a good. She would have been such a good companion. Yeah, would have loved it. And we can very briefly talk about the Doctor and Martha because they're only in it for mm. you know several minutes. Um, I have to say, wasn't a fan of Martha in this one. <laughs> she only gets about five lines. <laughs> but every time that she's in it, she's incredibly naggy. She's a bit like, oh, I don't want to be here, isn't she? Yeah, like. Um, she sort of butts in when the doctor's talking on the DVD. Oh, that's right. You know, yeah. she's like time traveler, all that lot, and I'm working the shop supporting it. You know, it's and then when she, she um, when him and the doctor show up at the end, when Sally's giving him all the info in the folder, mm. she's banging on at him like every ten seconds. She's like, "Doctor, come we've... on!" Yeah. yeah, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, "Shut up!" Yeah. You know, he's trying to have a conversation here. So I found a. Re- just incredibly naggy and whingy, sort of unnecessarily. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I just, I mean, I've got huge complaints about Martha in general. I don't think she's, you know, the best companion from newer Doctor Who, but she didn't do herself any favours in this one. She's really, like, moany. <laughs> I know a lot I know a lot of people feel that about Martha. We'll, we'll have to have a little chat about Martha one day because um, I quite like her. But, yeah, I, I, she didn't bother me that much in this. I think she was just didn't have a lot to do so they just made her a bit naggy um i'll tell you what i love though is i love the fact we see the doctor and martha again like you said coming from sort of our viewpoint so they're on an adventure doing something that we're not getting to see we just sort of see them passing us on the street that's a great that's lovely lovely idea that is to think that they're off doing all this while we're just living our everyday lives yeah it's uh is really good Mm -hmm. yeah 
But um, no, she didn't bother me that much. I don't mind Martha. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind Martha at all. You know, yeah. I, I'm not saying I don't like her. I, I, she's she's a pretty good companion, but um, in this particular one, the only purpose that she serves is to nag the doctor. And yeah, it's just true. a bit like you know whatever. Um, and then David Tennant's scene, you know, when he's you know that famous line like "Don't look away," you know, don't you know that's really that's classic David Tennant. You know, he's brilliantly delivered absolutely superb isn't it yeah. it's so good it's the voice it's the oh it's just brilliant yeah. how they work it into the episode and um like coming full circle back to the end bit where he's saying saying that speech about don't blink over the montage of statues yeah absolutely superb yeah it's amazing that he's hardly in it and yet he's so good in it <laughs> if that makes sense no yeah 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 so good times anything else you want to mention mate before we get on to our lovely listeners and what they thought no, I think we've pretty much covered it. I just think there's so many memorable, great scenes in it from the opening of Sally revealing the words on the wall, telling her to duck, uh, right up to the angels rocking the TARDIS. And um, at the end, I love it that the fact that Sally and um, uh, what's his name? Larry. Larry. Yep. Sally and Larry. I love the fact that they think they're being left behind and that the doctors tricked them. And then it actually turns out that it was all a trick on the angels to make him look at themselves. What a brilliant way brilliant. to defeat yep. them because I kept thinking all the way through on the first watch first time I watched this how do you defeat something like that like mm-hmm. you know how you can't destroy them what are you going to do so that was yeah it's, it's such a simple idea when you think about it but it's it's such a good idea and visually brilliant isn't it having them all around them uh-huh. like yep. you know like in a circle yeah oh, oh. superb yeah it's very it's, it's a simple concept as well isn't it you know, you, you would think that there would be some elaborate, huge, you know, timey-wimey Doctor Who sci-fi way of, you know, defeating them. But no, it's just as simple as that. Yeah. The, you know, they've turned to stone when they're being looked at. So just have them look at each other. It's just so simple, but it worked so brilliantly. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah, good stuff. Absolutely. Right. Before listener stuff, it's our um, our scores, obviously. Mm. So it's me to go first, I believe. Yeah. This week. Um this is a pretty easy one for me. I'm going to go with a nine. I thought you would because I've done the same. Have you? Oh, cool. Yeah, I've gone nine out of ten. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not going to give it a ten out of ten because although although I think it's an amazing episode and I think it is a modern sort of classic in terms of, you know, modern Doctor Who, um, there are just a couple of little things sort of knock off that point for making it a perfect episode. Um, the first one is there are there are a couple of times where I thought they they sort of overplayed like the angels sort of coming towards them a little bit. So when um, uh, when Sally's in the house to begin with, she realizes that the statue's moved. That's quite a nice effect, but then it took quite a long time for then the angel to sort of make its way through and they sort of padded it out a bit with her talking mm. to the guy on the doorstep and stuff. You know, so sometimes, you know, I felt like, you know, they were sort of overplaying like the angel sort of, you know, doing what it's doing, you know, back and forth with the angel moving. Um, and you just thought, you know, you could you could have cut to the chase a bit quicker with that. Yeah. So they do overplay it a little bit. Um, and then secondly, it's, I think for me, a perfect Doctor Who episode has to include a doctor from start to finish. 
okay. for me. Mm. You know, it has to be, you know, just an unbelievably amazing performance from whichever actor is playing the Doctor, you know. So I can't give a 10 out of 10 to an episode where the Doctor's hardly in it, even though it's as good, as, you know, as cracking as the episode is. A, per- oh, yeah. a perfect episode for me would be a performance based on the Doctor throughout the episode. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm yeah. going to say that I'm only really knocking a point off because the only the only thing that slightly niggles me about this is that um, there are times when I can't understand why the angels don't just get them. Like there are some scenes where because they move like lightning, right? Yeah. So there are some yeah. scenes where they're like I think it's near the beginning actually, isn't it? Where Sally's sort of stood looking at the wall for ages, and I kept thinking, well, that angel could have got a, got her by now. Like she's had her back to it all this time. What's it What's it waiting for? Like, and there are other times it's right in front of it. So there were bits where I thought, um, yeah. I don't know, it just didn't quite make sense. Why hasn't the angel got her yet? Because it's had plenty of opportunity to get her. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, that that's something that could have been slightly tightened up in the edit, maybe. I don't know. But that's that's the only reason I'm knocking off a point. Yeah. Because, um, um, yeah, I thought it was good. That's what I mean. That scene where Kathy's like hiding in the back room and the angel's yeah. out in the garden. It takes, you know, almost forever to get, you know, to get to her, but they padded it out for a long time. Yes. It could have, you know, like you say, they move like, you know, split seconds. So it could have just taken her out like, so a little bit that's, of filler stuff in there, but otherwise. Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. I thought. I was going to say, I mean, I think it is so close to being a perfect or two episode. It's really, really not far off. Um, if you'd have asked me before I rewatched it, I probably would have said an excellent episode, ever slightly overrated. Having watched it again, I don't think it's overrated at all. I think it's a really, really strong um, story. Yeah, yeah, loved it. Superb. Right, what did our uh, listeners think? Um, mm-hmm. We're going to kick off with a couple of audio reviews first. This is Daniel Fox. Hello, Gary and Adam. Hope you're both well. So, blink. Blink. Uh, if I had to describe it in two words, it would be absolute rubbish, said Daniel in a parallel universe. I have to say this episode is brilliant. Um, I think the pacing's really good, I think it's very scary, and probably, in fact, definitely the best uh, episode with the Weeping Angels. I think they're very good in this. Um, I think it's sort of Moffat's golden age on Doctor Who, personally. Um, where he did one script every year, so he had more time to think about it and not rush it and just do... So I, th- I think that was good. Um, and Moffat's done a good job with this episode. I think Sally Sparrow has potential to be a new companion, and I think uh, the fact how the Doctor and Martha aren't in it much, I think that's done very well. So cheers, guys. I'm going to give this episode a 9.5 out of 10. You had me worried for a minute there. He did me as well. I thought, no, surely not, because <laughs> there must be there must be some fans out there that don't like it. But but I think, uh, well, we'll see from the rest of the listeners. But I think majority do. Yeah. But he did have me worried there. Whew. <laughs> Cheers, Daniel. Uh, more audio. This is Owen Daly. Hi guys. Hope you're both well and enjoying the show this week. So, Blink. This is considered the best of the David Tennant era, which I have to say. Fair enough, it is a good story, but I don't think it deserves as much love because I, there's just something about it that I find a bit dry. It's not. I'm not trying to say that I hate this story, but it's just not one that I would recommend to people to start watching Doctor Who with, or I would just decide to watch. It's just one that I'd come across in a marathon, or just one that I'd see after a year of not watching and just say, oh yeah, sure, might as well turn it on. I just don't feel... 
I don't feel Blink is really, I don't know, it's, it's just not my cup of tea, if you know what I mean. I find The Weeping Angels are fantastic in it, don't get me wrong, and the writing is one of Stephen Moffat's best, but I just don't think it's as good as people say it is, if you get me. But that said, The Weeping Angels are fantastic, fantastic monsters, it's a great low-budget story, Sally Sparrow's a great uh, companion kind of material, the Doctor is well used for what he's in, and I would give the story a 7 out of 10. So thanks, yeah, and enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you, Owen. I get you, Owen. Yeah, that's a bit. That is a little bit how I felt before I rewatch. Yeah, mm. I, I I hear him. Mm-hmm. We read you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right over on Twitter, Chris Brown. Uh, Twitter name is at Crispy Crunch. <laughs> just says simply one of my favourite episodes. Oh, excellent. George Garrity. Multiple Manage- tweets. Multiple tweets. Said, multiple tweets. Garrity. Uh, slightly overrated, but still great. Very iconic and original idea. Complete. Uh, with great characters and some clever jump scares. The plots uh, cross time streams as a brilliant inclusion. Sadly, I personally feel that it loses some of the horror elements upon rewatches. Still fantastic. Kind of hard to believe it's the same writer as most of series six and eight. So mm. I'll give it a nine out of ten. Yes, I know what you mean. Uh, Fusel Jeremade. Uh, Twitter name is Disc Grinder. Says, uh, excellent <laughs> in every measure except mole rats because mole rat is not recognised as a measure. <laughs> Read into that what you will. Mm. Uh, Roxanne, Roxanne J10 says, just so happens it's my very first episode that I recorded three years ago. Wow. Brilliant. This one got me hooked on who? Really? 10 out of 10. That's interesting because that comment before said, would you recommend this as, you know, if you're trying to get somebody into Doctor Who? And as much as I think it's brilliant, I don't know if I would, mainly because the Doctor's not in it, but that's really interesting that um, that it was was the first episode, yeah. Mm. Hmm. Uh, Andy Beatty says, uh, I thought it was the best episode of that series, perhaps maybe because the Doctor wasn't in it that much. Oh, dear. Uh, mm. um, uh, Llama Bottle Zero says, one of the best, <laughs> even my nan likes it. But she hates Doctor Who. Good <laughs> <laughs> old Nan. Fair comment. Uh, Jason the Dude. Uh, Twitter name is Jason underscore Adron. Adron says, best episode of Tenants Run. Uh, some great storytelling and great introduction of the Weeping Angels. Excellent. Cheers, Jason. Uh, let's do more audio. Let's do Jay Kent. Yay. Hello, Gary and Adam. Yep, that's me. That too. Yep, and this so on and so forth. Blink! What some would consider a modern classic and certainly the best Weeping Angel story yet. Every scene feels needed, whether it's to develop character or add tension. I don't think it's a particular scary episode, but it's creepy as hell. I can actually believe the angels are made out of stone, which makes it even more unnerving when they move. I love the subtle fourth wall breaks done in this, which I feel are overlooked. When none of the characters on screen are looking at the angels, but the audience can still see them, they're still stone, so it feels like we're actually involved and immersed and affecting the world they live in but despite all this there's something that really bothers me who the hell only owns 17 dvds i know amish people with no technology who own more than that i mean it would have been a 9 out of 10 but sally only owning 17 dvds knocks it down to a 2 out of 10 unbelievable unimmersive no and that's it i'm afraid that's all i've got from you on the transcript but i can guess why they're coming for you the angels are coming don't turn your back don't look away and don't blink by <laughs> Cheers, Jay. I hate to tell you, but the angel just got Gary. You've <laughs> linked him. Uh, yeah, so um, some good points there, Jay. And I'm very sorry, again, like 
because not many people mention like the fourth wall and stuff like that about this episode. Mm. So I had to mention it earlier because it was something that I thought about after a couple of watches previous. Very, very clever. Very true. And there is something I've been meaning to say every time we play a J clip, a, a JK. Hang on, I'll start again. <laughs> <laughs> there is something I've been meaning to say every time we play a J Kent clip. And that is go check out his YouTube channel. Oh, it's great. I yeah. always mean to say it because Jay, we love Jay. We love your clips, Jay. And, um, and your YouTube channel is brilliant. And I really liked your video um, on about Doc 2 uh, and its re- recent state. And yeah, just go and check out JK's YouTube channel because it's, um, it's brilliant. It's great. And I've been meaning to say that for about a year. Yeah. And <laughs> if you want some just random, completely random bonkers entertainment, go and follow Jay on Snapchat as well. Yes. Some very funny random stuff on there. So thank you very much, Jay. Right. Finishing up on Twitter. Um, Adam the Hoovian. Oh, yeah. Which I think he used to be called Adam the Ultimate Hoovian. He did. Has he dropped the ultimate? Uh, He says, a very engaging standalone 45-minute episode with the strongest appearance from the Weeping Angels. Uh, Kerry is great, as is the moth. And I assume you mean mean the writing. The mothball. The mothball. Lastly on Twitter, Matt. um, Twitter name is VelvetRevolve3R6. It's meant to say Velvet Revolver, I assume. It says, fantastic story. Nice use of time travel and experimental approach to the show, being one of the first Doctor Light episodes. Yes. Which is very true. That's right, a couple more audios we'll do in between Facebook. This is from Who Addicts Reviews, Matt Rowney. Hey there, Gary and Adam. I hope you two are well. Now, Blink is a very, very interesting episode because a lot of people claim it's overrated. A lot of people think it's the greatest of all time, and I'm kind of in the middle. It is one of the best but I do think it's a tad, a tiny, tiny bit overrated. First of all, I just want to say how unique, creative and clever it is, because nowadays in Doctor Who, a lot of plots get rehashed. It's very, very difficult to come up with new and original ideas just because the show is as old as it is. But Blink is a very unique, very clever and a very creative story. And I think it is one of, if not the best Stephen Moffat story that he has perhaps ever written. It's definitely up there. It's just so clever. And the fact that the Doctor and Martha were hardly in it, it was a Doctor-like story, and we know how they can sometimes go, <coughs> loving monsters, oh dear. <laughs> but we know how Doctor-like stories can sometimes go. But with Blink, it just goes to show how good the side characters were, how good the villain was, when we were still so hooked into what was happening throughout the story. I thought Sally Sparrow, who was played by Kerry Mulligan, I believe, was outstanding, and all the other side characters were great too. And of course, the Weeping Angels are my favourite villain of all time. They are so, I don't even have to go into how great they are. They are so different, so clever, so scary, and along with them... They had some great direction, the direction was fantastic, and the music, I think they had their own unique soundtrack in this as well. This, yeah, the soundtrack, the, the, the screechy music, the tick-tocking clock, oh, it was horrible. It's one of the very few Doctor episodes that has truly, truly scared me. So, add the characters, add the direction, add the music, add the Weeping Angels, add the timey-wimey aspect, it's literally Doctor Who at its very, very best and it's timey-wimey at its best as well it just goes to show how good Stephen Moffat can be on his day so for me Blink not one of the best of all time but I'd definitely say it's one of the best of the modern series and I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of 10 take care guys and I'll see you for the big 100 cheers Matt cheers Matt some really good points there definitely is it the first is it the first story to use the phrase timey-wimey I think so I had a feeling when yeah. he yeah when the 
doctor said it and when he meets young Billy, it's like, oh, it's wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. It felt like that might be the first time. I'm sure if it's not, someone will correct me. But uh, yeah, I get the feeling it was. I think it is. Yeah. Mm. Rightio, let's go over to Facebook. Uh, a few of you on there. Danny Brown says, what can I say? One of the best Doctor Who episodes of all time and also one of the scariest. I don't need to write much this week. It's that bloody good. Nine, <laughs> 9.5 out of 10. Enjoy 9. the show. 9.5, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Lewis Palmer, this is a biggie. This story has gone down in history as being one of the best, one of the scariest stories ever. I think it is overrated, but not by much. I always enjoy giving it a watch and it is genuinely frightening. Or at least it was. I tend not to get scared so much anymore because of the overuse of the angels since this story. Mm. But that's not really a criticism of the story itself. Uh, it is genuinely well written and the DVD Easter egg thing is such a cool idea for an Easter egg nerd like myself. Overall, this holds up. It's a solid 8.5 out of 10. A genuinely great story. Yeah, I know what he means about that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And before we finish up on Facebook, here's our last audio review. This is Joe Sweeney. Hello again, Adam. Hope you guys are well. So, my thoughts on Blink. I remember on my first watch that I was thinking to myself that that it wasn't very good because they hardly had the Doctor in there because I remember how much I hated Love and Monsters episode. However, after a couple of watch, I eventually grew into liking this episode. Storyline was simple. It was easy enough to follow. And, and also the scripts were very good. Um, the Reaping Angels are terrific. And, I, and, I, and also I think it's very clever how they appear to be harmless looking... <laughs> Um, some statues and and that they're, they're scary at the same time and how they sap their victims back in time and let them live until the actual present um, Karen Mulligan acted brilliantly as Sally Sparrow and, and she delivered the character splendidly David Tennant was good as a doctor um, even though we only had a few cameo appearances from him and Martha, I wasn't too keen on Martha in this episode, she was moaning quite a bit, <laughs> yeah. however I must add very quickly that I'm impressed there was hardly no CGI in this episode. I thought it worked very well in terms of storyline because it took us back into the, the classic um, Who era. However, overall, good episode. So I'll give a score of um, 8 out of 10. Hope you podcast, guys, pretty soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Very good point about the CGI, actually. It wasn't much, was there, at all? I hadn't really thought about it before. Uh, there was a little bit going on where they placed statues here and there yeah on various places and that was only like the scenes where they're sort of about town and where we mentioned she's looking out the window and they're placed you know things mm. like that but it's very few and far between it's all practical just good old-fashioned well-written stuff yeah i prefer yeah. that yeah good stuff and lastly on the official facebook page it was sammy Satine, who never fails to give us her uh, synopsis on things so she says so Sally Sparrow decides to go snooping around the old abandoned house finds a message on the wall under the wallpaper from the doctor telling her to beware of the weeping angels and duck uh, then she spots the angel in the back garden and that isn't the statue it appears to be she meets Billy Shipton the policeman who gets sent back to 1969 and uncovers the truth about the 17 DVDs and who is responsible for the easter eggs on them uh, as well as uh, the doctor as well as why the Doctor knows that she's going to say before she says it, and why, with the help of the Doctor, she saves the TARDIS from the clutches of the Weeping Angels. 
she goes on to say, I like Sally. Carrie Mulligan is brilliant. I think Sally Sparrow might be the best female character Stephen Moffat has ever written in Doctor Who. Mm. Also like Billy, he seems like a nice guy and it is sad when he dies. Kathy's brother is great too. Um, this is Time You Why Me Done Right. Um, it is, of course, our introduction to the lonely assassins known as the Weeping Angels. Uh, they are sinister, creepy, scary, terrifying, and uh, make me a bit scared of statues. Uh, you never know when might one when one might just move. This is Moffat's writing at its best. If he returns in this in series ten, uh, I might just enjoy series ten more. Though I'm not getting my hopes up. Oh, and it's a joy to always see David as the Doctor again. So overall, she gives it a nine out of ten. Cheers, Sammy. Thank you very much. Did you have anything come through on the um, Geek's Handbag? I did have a couple on the Geek's Handbag this week, yeah. Uh, Dean Jones, he says, A Doctor-like story was a risky gamble that didn't pay off with Love and Monsters, but thankfully Blink is excellent. Intriguing plot, compelling characters, brilliant villains in The Weeping Angels, and a cracking script by Stephen Moffat that proves he was and can be a terrific writer. Maybe not the best of all time, but certainly a modern Who classic. 9.5 out of 10. And Dean says, P.S. Hope to bump into you both at London Film and Comic Con. Yes, we'll see you there, Dean. Feelings mutual. Yeah. Yes. Harry Westergaard says, without a doubt, the best Weeping Angel story. It's also probably the best example of a Doctor Light episode done right. Turn Left is also a great one. Yeah. Very tense, and the angels come across as a legitimate threat. The Doctor being an Easter egg on a DVD was also a very clever way to put him in the episode. So it's a great episode. It's not one of my all-time favourites, he says, but a good episode nonetheless. Yes, I agree. And finally, Paul Burns says, Kerry Mulligan is without doubt the greatest companion who never was. Sari Spallow is an amazing character and her journey through the episode proves Moffat is able to write genuine, realistic female characters without smothering them with convoluted backstories or confusing character arcs. The episode crackles along from start to finish as Moffat introduces arguably the only new Who monster who can stand with the Daleks and the Cybermen as poster villains for the show. The story is complex but oddly easy to follow and I have little choice but to award it a 10 out of 10, says Paul. So, yeah, 10 out of 10. Some really high scores there, as expected. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think we're all in agreement, well, most of us are in agreement that it's a very good very very good episode probably one of the best from who since 2005 yeah i would i was going to say it's definitely definitely up there since the show come back i think yeah yeah thank you so much guys for sending in your audio clips and Mm. posting on twitter and facebook always um really lovely to read through all your stuff we really appreciate you taking the time to do that um next week for episode 100 we need a big story, don't we, for that one? We do need a big story. So a big, big story. Jamie! Maybe a story that's <laughs> 10 episodes long, Jamie! Jamie! So, What are we reviewing next week, buddy? Next week, it can only be the second Doctor <laughs> classic, Temparta, The War Games! Yes, yes, at last. We've put this yes. one off for so long. Yes. The reason why we put it off for so long is because it's 10 parts long, <laughs> yeah. um, which is potentially, depending on how you view this story, is a, either a bit of a slog or it's just a, a, an absolutely brilliant way to spend five hours of your time. 
Yes. This is why I started it. it early. Because normally, you know, we watch them day or two before, but I was thinking, right, 10 parts. Yeah, better get some of those under my belt before the end of the week. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking forward to reviewing that next week. Yeah, it's going to be good. So those of you that have seen this one, which I'm hoping a lot of you have, um, then we'd be really interested to hear what you think to this one. It's um, it's often looked at as one of the you know the greatest stories from the classic era of Who, but we'd like to see what you like to hear and see what you guys think of it. So um, as usual, look out for the Facebook post, or if you want to send us um, an email or a tweet, perfectly fine. Or if you want to send us an audio clip, always love those. Try and keep it to around about a minute long, and we will play them out on the show for you. And I think we're going to do there for episode 99, buddy. Okay, Jamie. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us for episode 99. It's been fantastic. No, that's the ninth Doctor, isn't it? That's the ninth Doctor. Uh, it's been fantastic talking through uh, Blink. Um, it's one that we've wanted to do for a while. We get a lot of requests, or we have got requests to do that over the years. The years? The year. It probably is years. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed that, and thanks again for sending in your stuff. Yes. Remember, to, so next week, it's going to be a cracker. Very well, because it's ten parts, there's lots to talk about. Yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, there's lots to go. So it's going to be an interesting one next week. So, uh, yes, send us in your thoughts and reviews for that one. In the meantime, check out the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. Uh, on the website, you can listen to all the other uh, episodes that we've ever done. Mm. And you can also link off to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a like and a post. And you can also uh, go off from there to subscribe to the show. So if you want to subscribe and listen on iTunes, that's great. And if you are an iTunes listener, if you could give us a review and the rating, that would be fab. And we had some really lovely comments, actually, over the last couple of weeks uh, on the iTunes reviews. So thank you so much for the kind words. It's, uh, it means a lot to Adam and I. It does. I Yeah, I read through them because Gary said, have you seen the comments? And I said, oh, I haven't, I haven't looked for a while, actually. And um, so I went and had a look and uh, I was really, really quite touched. Thank you so much for your kind words, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And also check out Adam's stuff that he does on the Geeks Handbag channel, mm. which is on YouTube and Facebook. Yeah. So head over there and give those all a good watch. Some great stuff there. Uh, I must admit, I have yet to watch your latest one, which is the Phantom event, which I'll be doing that later. Yes. Yeah, please do. I, I must admit, I, without blowing my own trip, I'm so pleased with the Phantom Doctor Who signing video. Um, I had it all uploaded last Friday, ready to go. And then at the last second decided to scrap it and add some more bits and music and because <laughs> i felt i'd sort of rushed it um and i'm so glad i went back and redid it because i'm really really pleased that turned out so yeah please go and check out the doc 2 phantom signing video it's all good yeah featuring adam the ultimate whovian one of our listeners indeedy right uh i think we're going to do that any star wars fans that are going to celebration at the weekend uh if you bump into each other it'd be good to have a catch up if not, Adam and I will be at London Film and Comic Con the following weekend. Mm. So uh, we'll all have a good old meet up and catch up there. So until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, and... Uh, 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 uh,